everybody. Welcome to Curly Girlies Podcast with Atara and Grace. I am Atara, founder of the Curly Girl Movement, author of the Curly Girly book series, and owner of curlygirly.com. And I am here today with my good friend and amazing co-host, Grace Cross. Hi, Grace. How you doing? I'm doing great. How are you, Atara? I'm doing well. Thanks. Well, I'm Grace Cross. I'm the owner of The Baby Spot, the world's only global parenting magazine, and you can find me at thebabyspot.ca. Now, we have such a great guest today. I'm very excited. Atara, who do we have? Audience, Grace, I'm excited to welcome a lovely lady who is also a friend, Ellen O'Neill. Ellen is the proud principal of South Hold Elementary School, located on the scenic North Fork of Long Island. Prior to becoming a principal, Ellen was an elementary school teacher, as well as an assistant principal. Ellen is also the co-president of the Suffolk County Elementary Principals Association and holds the title to the 2020 Suffolk County Library Association Administrator of the Year. Ellen places a lot of emphasis on being a connected educator. She believes that learning from other educators around the country is imperative for professional growth. Ellen is the founder and co-moderator of the Read to Lead Twitter chat, where she enjoys learning and growing alongside her learning network. Ellen is passionate about providing children with learning environments that promote student choice and voice, problem solving, and collaboration. I do love that word. Ellen and her husband, Patrick, are proud parents to two school-aged children and a brand new puppy. Welcome, Ellen. We're so happy to have you here today. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me, Atara and Grace. Very excited. Yes, we're excited. First, before we even start, so what's the name of your puppy? Our new puppy's name is Remington, and we call him Remy. I love that. I love that. And did, did was something about the corona pandemic and the stay-at-home time induce you to get this puppy, or were you planning it all along? Oh, no. It, it was. I said, I think the pandemic brain hit me. Um, so I love puppies. I love dogs, but I always said um, I didn't want us to have a dog because they're a lot of work. Right. Yes. Um, yes. And, um, and being a principal, my husband is in law enforcement and, you know, the kids were younger. So I kept saying, we're not getting a dog. We're not getting dog. And then one day I woke up and said, I think we should get a dog. And, <laughs> um, so uh, we did our research. We surprised the kids actually um, oh, wow. didn't tell them until Mother's Day. And nice. then Saturday we went to uh, pick him up from the breeder. So, so nice. What kind of dog is it? He has a Labradoodle. Oh, oh, they're so nice. They are just the loveliest dogs. They really he, are. He really is. But he's so, it's like having an infant again. Yeah. Uh, right? Yes. Right? So sometimes I'm up. Uh, last night, he let me sleep um, overnight until five, which oh is good. God. The night before, though, we were up from three to four, three times having to go. Yeah. So. Oh, oh wow. It really is. It's like training a baby. It is. But he's adorable and he's really good. And, um, the kids are good. My older, my son is a little bit better because he's older. He takes him for walks. And so, but That's he's fabulous. Great. That's great. No, it's a nice addition to the family, especially I think during the challenges of the coronavirus and stay at home time. It's nice for children to have number one, that extra, you know, friend, so to speak in the house and the responsibility and the rhythm that the the dog brings of walking and having to have that activity. So I think that all is an, it's a nice time to have gotten a dog. I know several friends who've done that recently. Yes. I think uh, a few of my friends have also done it. Right? And people that know me have said like, it was your idea. Uh, <laughs> they know me and, uh, but he's, he's worth every uh, ounce of having to clean up and oh, good to know. <laughs> on the floor. And <laughs> good to know, because I'm still on the fence here, but my son's definitely campaigning. So. <laughs> well, you know, we're, I think you'll just wake up one day and decide it's hard. That's, that's what it. 
That's it. Um, so Ellen, I want to talk, um, we have so much to talk about, um, yes. you being a principal during these times. You know, you and I go um, a little bit back, our girls are friends. Um, what strikes me about you is that I've always found that you're very, you know, open and real, and you're generally like a very curious person. So I'm really um, interested to hear your insight about education and about how things might change in the new um, with the pandemic in the fall and, and what's gonna happen. So let's jump right into that. Tell us, what are your thoughts? Well, my thoughts are, as I keep saying to everybody that basically the last few months we've been flying, building a plane while we fly it. Oh my gosh, and, yes. Um, it's, you know, we were uh, kind of thrown in to the whole idea of remote learning. You know, some people call it homeschooling, it's not homeschooling. And it, I even, we used to call it distance learning and it really isn't distance learning. At this point, it's remote learning. And we had about three days to start thinking about it. And then all of a sudden we were out and not back again. And we kept thinking, yeah, it was going to be, oh, well, maybe we'll be out for a week, maybe two. Um, no one had any idea that we would be out for the remainder of the year. So um, I, we can talk about that a little bit, but about for next year, um, what I just keep saying everybody is, I don't think we're going to know what's going to happen until August. Um, people, we are in the midst of beginning to, uh, to make some plans. We have to have things in place so that we're not scrambling in August. But I think the virus is going to tell us um, what, what should happen. And I think we have to keep the kids in mind and the educators in mind. And everybody's um, safety and, and health is really of utmost, utmost importance. Um, so I think I'm going to start out by saying that I'm not really sure what's going to happen. Um, I have some ideas and I have some definite opinions about what shouldn't happen. Um, but I, I really, we really don't know as everyone, I feel like we used to go hour to hour, then it sort of went week to week. Now I feel like we're maybe every two weeks. Oh, okay. So you're, you're a little bit ahead of it. Okay. I want to definitely go into this. Um, but I, I do think what you were saying was important. Let's go back for a minute to how this all happened. So when this first, you know, when, you know, uh, New York state, you know, kind of closed down, you thought, okay, we're going to do this for a week or two, a month, but we're going to end the school year back in classes. Is that right? Oh, absolutely. So we, uh, the district that I work in closed on um, Friday, I think it was March 13th, if I get my date correct. Um, and we just had decided, so that week before, um, actually over the weekend, and we were with some friends, and I remember saying, like, this is not a big deal. And I was wrong. Um, and I have no problem admitting when I was wrong, so I was very wrong. Um, uh, I said, it's like the flu, you know, not a big deal. And then we went in Monday morning and um, all of CDC health, all these things started to come out and we had a meeting and it just sort of spiraled from there saying, wow, this really isn't just cover your mouth and, and wash your hands. Uh, so we had a few days to start talking about, well, if we had to be out for a short period of time, what can we do? So teachers furiously started, you know, getting some things together for um, my district happens to be a one-to-one -one Chromebook for grades two through 12 and close one-to-one -one iPads in K to one. We didn't feel we needed one-to-one, -one, but we have enough. So the upper grades um, we decided not every teacher used to Google classroom prior to this. Now everybody in up in the upper grades for sure uses Google classroom. Um, I leave, left that up to the teachers prior to um, the pandemic, but now it, it seems we need to be consistent. So some people were already on Google Classroom, the kids already knew how to use it, but not everybody was. So we decided some the younger grade teachers would send home some um, 
paperwork for the kids thinking again, we'll be out like a day or two, maybe three, maybe a week. Um, and then we would reassess. So that was, we decided to close Friday and Monday. That was before it was any sort of um, close from the governor. And as the weekend went on, I think we spent hours and hours each day at the administrators meeting talking about what we're going to do. Then I believe that's when the, the county executives decided to close for that week, the following week. So that was St. Patrick's Day week. And then after that, it became the governor deciding when we would close or open. Okay. Not like on every, their own, from their own yep. choices. Okay. Yes. And now everybody. are you taking your directives at this point from the governor's office and just getting right. updated? Right now? Um, yeah. Yeah. At that point and going forward, let's say from the two weeks after. So after that first two weeks, yes, everything is, he is the one that, that was making the decisions about if school would um, reopen or not. So it was about, and he would go every two weeks at a time. Um, and we, in the beginning, we kept hoping, like, let's at least come back for the month of June. Um, there's a lot of closure that's not going to happen for kids and adults. And um, it's, it's, it's just weird. I mean, I've been doing, I've been in education for, I'll just say a long time. We won't talk about how old I am, but a long time. And uh, I've never had a year that I, you couldn't say goodbye to the kids or hug the kids. Not, I mean, you're going to see them the next year, most of them, but it's it just, there's not closure. So we really wanted to go back. Um, we Even for to, a week, just to have that. Yes. But um, now that I, what I, we know what we know, it's really not a safe idea to have us all go back in the building at the same time. So um, I understand and I agree with the decision not to have us go back, but it is sad. And um, I don't know one educator in my district or elsewhere that thinks that, that uh, oh, great, let's sit, you know, let's teach kids via computer or Google Classroom is the way to go, you know? No, I, I, think, I think there's such a profound loss uh, socially and emotionally for children during this time. And I think like as a, as a parent first, right, Ellen, you're, you're a mom, um, but then second as an educator, like we have to really realize that. And I love that you said, you know, you were trying to come back in June just to give them a sense of normalcy because I think that's so important, would have been so lovely. Is there anything else that you're doing like to end the school year remotely via Zoom, like some sort of party or something so that they have that closure in a different way, even though it's not won't be the same? So it depends on the grade level, truthfully. What we've done, I will say, even though the high school is doing a, a commencement, uh, we have, uh, my building is a K through six building. Mm -hmm. So um, the kindergarten has a graduation normally, um, and sixth grade has a moving up. So we are planning more of a drive-through, you know, um, little party for them. But we did get guidance yesterday that before any sort of drive-through Graduations take place. We have to, you know, run it by the health department, and that was new guidance yesterday from that we received. So, <laughs> I'm going to say that we now have to check that. I don't know how it wouldn't be because the, our plan is that everyone is socially distanced. Um, the kids are not, and parents are not getting out of their cars. We will have masks and gloves on. Um, but so we do have that plan, and I do agree that the. I'm not at all concerned, truthfully, about academic uh, loss at this point. It's the social-emotional piece that's way more important than if they missed 
a concept in math. I'm yeah. so happy you're saying that because, you know, I, this is like my big mantra is like when children, children first and foremost need to be happy socially in order to even excel academically. I believe they, they go hand in hand, but you cannot be worried about academics over social because that piece is not to be underestimated. So, so what are the, what, what do you think is going to happen? Like, what are the plans to, to help children through this emotionally? So we have a district-wide pretty large group, and then we're splitting off into smaller groups. So it, in, for the elementary school, um, I'm adding, you know, I want to have a representative of different teacher grade levels, special area teachers, a parent, a paraprofessional. We are taking apart each of the areas that they say we need to look at, and we're going to sort of split into even a smaller groups or a smaller group each and discuss, you know, uh, arrival and dismissal, transportation, uh, all of that has to be looked at. But my overarching thought is this. I don't know if you saw those um, images that were on, they were on Twitter over the weekend uh, of students in, um, I think it was South Korea and China. And sitting in desks. With the hats on? Oh, no, not the hat. This was even more. Tell me. Uh, upsetting. So they're sitting in desks in rows, which I don't believe we should ever be sitting in desks in rows. Same. That's a whole other <laughs> podcast. That's it, right. I was just going to say, we could talk <laughs> um, a lot about that. <laughs> we talk a lot about that. I can go on about all of that for a long time. So they were sitting at desks with masks and gloves. These were probably upper elementary kids with plexiglass on three sides of their desk, sitting like with their hands folded at it. At- you know, half of me thinks, my goodness, how scary that would be as a young child to walk in and, and that is your day-to-day education system. But what's even more scarier is that our children go back to school and think that's the norm. Yes. So that, that was my night. I feel that if that's how we need to go back to school, then remote learning is a better opportunity. Yeah, I mean, I don't think overall it's better, but if, if we can't go back and that would be the, so there are a couple of different um, ways to, but if let's say they say everyone has to go back full days, the whole school, right? So now teachers are wearing either face shields or masks. How do you teach with a mask on? Um, the little kids, right? Some of our kindergartners are four years old when they come to school. So they're gonna wear a mask, we're gonna wear a mask. That's pretty intimidating and scary. I would think. Um, and there's not one teacher that I work with that has kids sitting in rows with their arms crossed, listening to them talk all day. Oh gosh. Especially under, you know, grade two and under they're moving. That's how they explore and that's how they learn. Yes. So but what maybe, is the alternative? So there are some uh, the possible alternatives, but so I would say that remote learning in, and probably I would, I would shift some ways that remote learning is happening currently in order to make it um, a little bit more effective for the the children if we had to all stay home. But what they're saying is even if we go back, there's a pretty good chance that we would have to, on a dime in November, be back on remote learning because of flu season. And so no matter what, our backup plan has to have remote learning in it. Um, I also don't foresee them saying, um, well, actually, I shouldn't say that. I don't know what they're going to say because the people who get to make these decisions are not educators. And um, it's very frustrating that they think they can make decisions about education if they don't ask educators or have never taught in a classroom and know what it means, right? So, oh, great. Um, you have to have 300, almost 400 students plus about 100 staff come in every day, but you all have to socially distance. Right. right? <laughs> How so, does that work? Right. Yeah, it doesn't work, right? No. So there are ways in my head, there are I don't know, a couple of educators I've talked to, uh, you know, there are different ways you could have um, 
let's, I would say you wouldn't be able to have more than 10 students in a room at a time, right? So that's about maybe half a class. So I don't know, are there a, you know, like two days, Monday, Wednesday, half the class, Tuesday, Thursday, half the class, and then Friday, everyone's remote learning and the teacher can interact. Some, you know, there are half day options, but the half day won't really work because you don't have time to, you know, so half the class in the morning, half the class in the afternoon, but you don't have time to clean in between. So I think that one's out. Right. That's a good <laughs> um, point. The cleaning. Yeah. So if we have uh, the students in... Um, let's say it's 10 students. Again, this isn't our plan. These are just swirling in my head. Of, um, uh, that uh, if half the class is in on Monday, the, the custodial staff, which would have to be increased. So I think that's another thing politicians need to take into account how districts are supposed to pay to double staffing in many areas. They have to be able to completely clean the building, not just the nightly cleaning, but truly disinfect every single night for the new group to come in. Okay, and then Friday, if no one was in the building and everyone was working remotely, then they would have Friday to do even a, another cleaning. But now, how are we getting students to school? Because buses, how do you spread out? And then even when they're in school, when we read the guidance, it says things like, the students shouldn't change, the teachers should. Well, that's great, but we're on elementary school, so they only change if they're going to a special, so phys ed can't be with the kids sitting in a classroom, right? And it just seems to me that we're learning, we're, we're trying to come up with ideas and we're taking from other places and we're seeing what works and what doesn't work, right? Like we yes. did a comparison with South Korea. We're seeing like a lot of um, countries like New Zealand and possibly Canada making work days a four day week where um, people who are working are going to work 10 hour days. And in the United States, this could be a possibility too, but that could also really affect the way children go to school. So it just seems like we're exploring ideas, seeing what's working and most of all, what's not working in other countries and just applying it here. Right. But also like, I think there's not enough data, right? To really see what's working and what's not. Because like Ellen, you started off saying, which is so true, this is ever evolving week yes. to week. And it's going to look different in August and September 1 than it looks right now. Yes. And, and even the district, uh, the districts, I'm sorry, the countries that we look at. So I think it was France. Right. Yes. Had kids, uh, students go back to school. And within a week, there were 90, 70 or 90 cases in, in the school. Wow. Oh, I didn't dear. hear that. Wow. I didn't yeah, know that. It was, um, I, I have the article. I can't remember now. I read it. But, you know, I think people, you know, we don't know. Unfortunately, this virus is a virus and it certainly isn't taking its cues from us. So we have to see what's happening before we just make assumptions about, oh, wait, well, everyone has to just go back to school in September and not just school everywhere. I think some people are, are I, I get it. You know, I mean, I happen to be okay staying at home. I'm, I'm okay in my house, but there are, not everybody has a good situation. Which and is, there's also socioeconomic factors as well, because yeah. we see people who are more uh, uh, economically vulnerable, who won't, who might be essential workers, who might have to go back to work, and they don't have the accessibility, um, like to have a really great internet speed for their children to join in on um, uh, internet learning. And we have children who might not have someone to watch them. School is also not only their educator, but their minder for a number of hours a day. So this is going to be a challenge. Thank goodness that people like you are always exploring every option and just continuing to evolve ideas 
I mean, the groups that you're coming up with for possible September reopening is incredible. And I hope that other school systems take your lead. Well, I wanted to ask you, I'm, I'm going to um, say something, maybe it's somewhat controversial, but um, what are we doing? And is there a plan for um, elderly teachers and educators? Because we know that they're more vulnerable. So what if you have a teacher who's, you know, in her mid seventies, are you going to allow her to come in or are you going to say, maybe you have to teach remotely only? How's that going to work in your mind? Yeah. So I will say that's, it's not just elderly, truthfully. We have, there are educators that are in their twenties that have, that right. are compromised in some way. That's right? true. Or, Absolutely. Like, um, and I, I don't have an answer for that truthfully, because I'm not really sure, but that is a, a factor. So when we talk about the plans that, that are formulating in my head, that's only scratching the surface to, to we have students that are uh, compromised. Vulnerable. Right. Vulnerable Diabetics, in, right. Um, medical ways, right? Those right. staff members, um, uh, it, it's, there is so much that I could, you know, we could probably have four podcasts just <laughs> on, right. on the factors that, you know, they say, you know, kids wouldn't go to lunch and recess. How do you tell a five-year-old or right. even a 10-year-old? And, and we're very big on play in my building. Right. And, um, how important play is for learning, right. uh, and and that's how kids do learn. Uh, even bigger kids that think that they're really big aren't really, you know. Even our biggest elementary, right? They're really eleven. They're not really all that. Big. Exactly. <laughs> they think they're big. We don't need to tell them, right, Ellen? <laughs> but they still do like to play. It's yes. different. Yeah, but, but they play. still like to play, and they still um, they benefit from it. So. How do we, you know, what you were, I think it was Grace said before with the hats, you know, or some of those. Yeah, things. yeah, I saw that. I saw a picture of kids in, I don't remember where, it was not, it was in a It might country. have been in China where they were wearing different kind of hats with these like points on them to mm -hmm. help them understand that they couldn't move to their neighbor because their hats were going to interfere and that was going to keep them remembering social distance. I think it was like they were pool, um, Noodles is what they look yes, like. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh huh. And then there was another p image of students playing outside, and there were um, squares, and they weren't allowed to leave their square. Wow. Oh my gosh. That's Do you remember? How sad. How could that have? How it, does that work? <laughs> it doesn't. Well, that's what I'm saying. It it absolutely doesn't work. Right. It doesn't work. I, I feel like that would be more socially, emotionally damaging. Damaging than being at home. Than being at home. Yeah. You know, I'm conflicted. I have to say, I have three school-age children. I'm, I'm conflicted about it because I do think that there's something very sad. You know, I, I very, very much believe that everyone needs to be wearing a mask to protect everyone else and out of respect for others. But there is something sad about that, about not being able to see facial expressions. When somebody smiles, you, you can no longer tell. And, you know, we don't realize what, how important that is um, in our interaction with people is to know whether they're smiling at you or not. Um, yes. It's feedback, right? That, yeah. that, that children, it's input that we as adults and children get from one another. So there is something very sad about, the, you know, the hats, the masks. But on the other hand, the idea of not being around our peers seems to me so, so much worse. So that I, I feel conflicted about saying, well, maybe remote learning is better because um, I'm not an educator, but in my mind as a parent, I would like to do anything um, within reason that makes sense to get them back with their friends to the extent that they can. 
Oh, absolutely. I think that we should be able to be with their friends, but if we have to tell them that in order to be with your friends, you need to wear a right. hat that has pool noodles on it, or, <laughs> right? Or, right. or uh, only be, and you're out at recess and you can't leave right. this, this, what, six by six square, whatever right. it was. That's not, I almost feel that that's more. Um, that could have longer term repercussions yeah. is what you're saying. Yes. yes. And um, I, I want nothing more than seeing our kids and I and the staff. I mean, I have seen the staff here and there for certain things we've been, but, you know, seeing each other is, it's really nice. Yeah. And Isn't well, it? But the hugs and the high fives and right. the fist bumps um, that I get in the morning as the kids are walking in the building uh, or being able to go in and sit next to them or right. um, I do something called good news call of the day where I, they come in my office, we call their parents, we tell them how, whatever it was that they were nominated for. And then I take a selfie with them. So oh, you won't be able to do that. Right. The kids anymore. Right. It just, it's I mean, again, that's the kind of thing that would be more, I could work around that, but that's just one example of, you know, it, telling kids you have to sit in your desk all day and don't move. Just right. think of some of our our kids in this, right? They they can't. My daughter no. cannot sit still. Right. What do you tell? How do you tell that to an ADHD child? Right. That's yes. just right. How do you do that? A student who like is a wiggly. Right. That doesn't. Right. That's torture. You're just tortured then. Yeah. So I don't. That's not the answer. I don't. I mean, I don't want anyone to think. I I think we should all just stay home. I just. No, I know that. We have to just. I think really consider how damaging will it be for students to come back if. It's almost like, um, I almost feel like, is it like a, you know, prison where you right. can't, talk, can't be near each other. You can't right. talk to someone. You have to stay a certain amount of, so I just don't want that to be what the kids think of school either. Right. Um, I like our kids wanting to come to school. Right. Um, and I know they do because I've gotten emails from some kids saying, I really wish we were back in school. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, so, well I'm counting on you, uh, Ellen, to be really creative and a front runner yeah. in this. So. <laughs> well, and I do. I like it, my, um, you know, in the, in the introduction, you said, I think being connected and being on Twitter and Boxer with my um, my PLN, my personal learning network and talking to other people, not just in my district. I might mean, happen to be in a very small district, but even if I was in a bigger one, <clears throat> districts tend to have their way mm-hmm. being connected to other people mm-hmm. across the country. Um, but really that's who I'm connected with. You know, I've talked to people in every state probably and getting ideas of what, how everyone's doing and you know, what are they doing? And it it depends on which part of the country you're in too, because in some parts, um, the states are not taking it as seriously. I don't think as New York is right. Because we have cases. And so they think this is silly to have to wear a mask or, uh, you know, so, you know, we happen to be in a very populated area. Right. So, um, you know, I, I don't know. It, it's really hard. I just, I always want to do what's best for the kids. Um, exactly. And the kids and the staff, um, because we want to keep everyone healthy and safe. Absolutely. I want to just uh, pick up on something you said. Do, do you, you don't love the desks. Um, do, you, do the children not sit in desks? Do they sit in a different way in your school? So, it um, again, I tend to be on uh, in under the belief that teachers need to be part, you know, they need to decide how to, how to run their classrooms. But mm-hmm. um, the majority of the, the classrooms in um, our school are have flexible seating. Oh, so, um, what does that so, mean? So flexible seating is different options for where kids can sit and get their work done. So um, I'd have to probably show you some visuals, but I'll give you, uh, you know, we have a kindergarten teacher who has, um, 
not nothing is the same. She doesn't have like two of the same tables. She doesn't wow. have, you, know, you might think of a classroom where even not desk tables, maybe, and you know, and some classes in my building do have, you know, five or six tables. The kids have seats at the tables. And one particular kindergarten teacher um, does not have that. And she has a table that is very low. So kids can sit on little cushions and sit down on the floor and, and work. So she has that. tables that are a little higher. She, they have uh, all different shaped chairs and you, you have to spend time. If, this isn't just, you know, right. what the kids do what they want. We spend a lot of time in the beginning of the year, even in the upper grades, helping the kids understand the choices. Where do you learn best? Wow. And it's different so, for all of them, but you're empowering them to make that choice. How nice. Absolutely. I and, you know, we, we guide them and we do guide them. And some students have, a, you know, if they do struggle making that choice, you know, we, we have to assist them with that. But um, I always say we want to have, we want to help kids become, you know, productive, um, happy, uh, well-rounded adults. So if we do all the decision making for them, and just fix it or say you didn't you didn't do this correctly this time, so you just can't do it anymore, that doesn't help right. them learn how to how to do it better right. the next time. Right. Um, so the collaborative approach to learning, right? Yes, absolutely. And there are times the teacher might say, now everyone's sitting and you're, you know, you're on the rug and you're looking at me. Right. Um, but now when you go off to work independently, you have a choice. Um, in the upper grades, there's lots of different options of, of seating. Um, so maybe they have three or four different options. Some chairs are um, like high cafe tables. Mm, high yes. Pool. You know, so it just, it, it's really very different. I don't, we don't have the same setup in every classroom. Well, that's nice. I think that's nice. But the point is you're not having them all sit in a traditional desk. Yes. Um, or maybe some of them are, but that's that's something that they're choosing. So I think that's great. I, I look forward to a day where we get to go back to that, right? Um, I do yes. think that the schools are going to look very, very different for a little bit of time now. Um, mm -hmm. But I thank you for coming on and sharing your ideas with us. And I really think, you know, we're here um, at the end of May, beginning of June. So I think we need to chat again in August and see how everything evolved. Because like I Absolutely. said, it's going to be changing week to week and we're going to have to see how the summer goes. Absolutely. So if anyone listening has uh, is an educator somewhere or has some ideas, they can yes. always reach out to me on my social media because uh, you know, we like to hear ideas um, from lots of people and you know, uh, more, more brains are better than one. That's true. Uh, for sure. And, What's the best uh, way to reach you, Ellen? Probably um, Twitter. Okay. What's I your Twitter handle? Perfect. Uh, at Ellen underscore O'Neill. Okay. Amazing. We'll put that in our show notes so people can actually find you. This has been really a great conversation. Like I said, an important conversation. I'm happy to have had you on um, personally and professionally. Um, congratulations on uh, Remy, the dog. Yes, congrats. <laughs> and um, we'll, we're, I, I'm sure you're going to like figure this out in a way that is most comfortable for your students. Well, that is, that is definitely my goal and our goal at the team that I work with. So, um, you know, it's all about the kids and what's going to work best for them. So I thank you so much for inviting me. Absolutely. Such Absolutely. a pleasure. All right. Take care. Bye for now. Bye for all right, now. Bye-bye.